You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Thursday. You know what that means. It means it's time for the Locked On Wolverines podcast, Michigan Mailbag. Part We're part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. I couldn't get through that because I switched it up and I confused myself. I'm your man on the ground as a whole publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And yeah, we've got the mailbag. We are going to get to it. We got plenty of questions. Absolutely love it, obviously. There are quite a few of the same, but we're going to do as we always do. And we're going to start with our leaders and best starting with James Crudup at James Crudup six thoughts on the true freshman entering the portal. Unless I missed it. Are you surprised Mozzie Smith wasn't mentioned as one of the seem one seemingly in the two deep. Uh, and I'm pretty sure we got more than one Mozzie question as far as the, uh, the true freshman entering the portal. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that surprising to me because, you know, you, you don't even get a chance to get to a game. But I do know, like, here's the thing with the college experience. You can sit there and say, well, it's Michigan, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like a lot of people, I have to, I feel like I have to remind people, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I'm just saying I always feel like I have to remind people when guys either leave early for the NFL or if they transfer because you get a bunch of people that react very poorly to it. Uh, I haven't looked about the Osmond Savage. If you didn't see it, Osmond Savage did transfer, or at least he is in the transfer portal. Um, the thing about it is, is these people are not necessarily like they didn't necessarily grow up Michigan fans the way that other people, you know, the people who follow the team have, right? They're just looking for their best opportunity. But on top of that, you could just get to Ann Arbor and be like, you know what? This just isn't. This isn't what I was hoping it was going to be in one way or another. Or they could be homesick. Listen, I was homesick a ton my freshman year. I went home literally every weekend, but I think two. My freshman year before I dropped out of school entirely. I just wasn't ready for the college experience. I had had enough of excelling in high school that by the time I got to Michigan, I was over school entirely. I just had no desire to do it. And, you know, some of it could be like I was I'm from 40 minutes away from Ann Arbor. It was no big deal. But for some people like you see that Aaron Lewis transferred to uh, to Rutgers and he's a New Jersey guy. So maybe he was homesick. I'm sure we'll find out more someday about why Osmond Savage decided to transfer out. He was the first of four eventual commits and three signees from Baltimore St. Francis Academy. He was the first one. Went him, then Kai Hill Green. Well, I don't know when uh, Mike Amescua fell in there. He was somewhere around there. And then Blake Corum. Mescua obviously flipped to Baylor. But, you know, best of luck to him, you know? You got to do what's best for you in your life, and that's uh, one of the things. As far as Mozzie's concerned, uh. Yeah, I was surprised for sure, because you you're hoping to hear his name. He's a former four star. He's a local guy. He was highly coveted. It's at a position of need, and you hear Chris Hinton, you hear Donovan Jeter, you hear Jess Spate. I don't I don't think it's necessarily concerning though. He's a second year player. 
Yeah, everyone hoped he would make an early impact. But some guys come along at different speeds than others. I mean, look at Jeter. You hope Jeter finally has had everything kind of turn on because he looked awesome as an early enrollee in that 2017 spring game. Torres ACL hasn't been the same since. Fifth year now. So you hope that, or fourth year, it's his fourth year. His fourth year at the program. You hope everything's kind of turned on for him, that he knows exactly what he's doing out there. And, you know, we keep hearing the same hype for him all the time. So I would start being concerned if next year we're not hearing the name Ozzie Smith. I would be concerned as well if we don't see him at least get into the rotation one way or another, especially with this being a free year. But, I mean, Don Brown said they have about nine guys in that rotation. I know people get really mad when they hear Jess Spate is uh is in the rotation. Listen, I, I'm not saying Jess Spate is Jordan, not Jordan, but or Ryan Glasgow because it's a position to position. I'm not saying he's any Glasgow. But sleep on former walk-ons at your own peril because we've seen walk-ons come through this program. And go to the NFL, like all three Glasgow's, like Jordan Kovacs. It happens. It looks like you're going to have a walk-on, former walk-on, as your starting center. Doesn't seem like people are that up, upset about that, but there's also not a five-star at that position or high four-star. I mean, Rumler was, but I think he moved to guard. So we'll see what happens. You know, they just put on the pads for the first time yesterday. There's plenty of time for him to make a move. And sometimes that's uh, that's the thing. Think back to Mike Zordich. Uh, when he and back in before the 2017 season, said Levert's fine, not happy with the rest of the corners. Then they turned it up. Josh Barajadiki. Brown said there's a battle underway between Michael Barrett and Anthony Solomon at the Viper spot. That seems a little unexpected based on what you've been saying so far this year, since you mentioned often mentioned Barrett as a possible breakout star. Thoughts. Also noticed, and here's the same thing, that Brown didn't mention Mozzie Smith when going through the DL players. All right, so we already covered the Mozzie Smith thing, so I'll go back to your first thing. Um, I don't think it's a surprising thing that Barrett and Solomon are in a competition. I don't think that means that Solomon's going to win. It just means that Solomon took a step forward. Barrett's still your presumed starter. I still think he could be a breakout star. That's the thing about having good talent. And Solomon, what was he? coming out of high school extremely fast so maybe not like roman wilson fast but that was the thing is they had seemingly kind of stopped recruiting him for a little while then after the 2018 ohio state game they're like all right we need some speed let's get back in on this anthony solomon deal and that's how that went down so uh I, I'm not surprised at all that Anthony Solomon's coming forward because you make that big jump from year one to year two. Does that mean he's going to win the job? No. I mean, we had Michael Barrett uh, in uh, media availability today. Don Brown had basically said back in, what was it, May, that Barrett is the starter at Viper. I don't think anything's changed. I just think that that's an indication that Anthony Solomon has really raised his game up. And... I could actually go to what uh, what Barrett said about him today. And he said that just watching him, he's grown a lot since last year, just getting more comfortable in the defense, being more comfortable where he's at. I feel like our speed, our techniques are similar. 
coverage-wise, blitz-wise, we're a lot similar. So there you go. That's why he's uh, why he's in it. Uh, get back to the sheet here. My brother in metal, Michael Wolf at M Wolf Twenty One. Are you concerned about Minnesota being the first game and Michigan having an inexperienced secondary? I'd be lying if I wasn't. It's absolutely a concern, especially considering Minnesota has a prolific pass offense. I don't know what they finished at last year offhand. I'm going to take a look while I keep talking here, but I mean, they still have Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman's back. I know they lost one of their guys, uh, but uh, Minnesota passing the ball. That's what they, that's what they do. Right. So you got to figure that it's going to probably be pretty good. I'm on the wrong year. So bear with me. Ninth passing offense in the country. That's I'm on pass defense. Ninth passing defense. Yikes. So their pass defense was pretty good last year as well. But uh, their passing offense, now that I actually am uh, on the right screen, 47th in the country, passed for 253 yards a game. So that's pretty good. It's above average. Michigan was only three behind them, so at number 50. So uh, maybe it's not as crazy as you'd think, I guess. It's not as crazy as I think. If if you were to talk to people, you'd think that Minnesota was 10,000 times better than Michigan was. When it turns out, Minnesota passed for 3,293 yards. Michigan passed for 3,261 yards in 13 games each. Difference is Minnesota won 11 games. Michigan won eight. Or... Uh, yeah, eight. Is that right? No, I don't remember. My brain isn't working. It worked out before the press conference. That was a dumb idea. Should have waited until later. Anyway, yes, I am concerned about it because it's one of those things where you're going to have an untested group against a really good pass offense. And you figure they're just going to get better at passing the ball. You've got a potential first-round pick in Rashad Bateman. Michigan's going to have to figure some things out and or go toe-to-toe with them as far as their ability to run the offense, score points. So, yeah, I'm gonna. that's the thing I'm most concerned about going into that game. I think if Michigan can shut down their pass offense, then it's an easy win. If not, it could be a long day. Trent Noop at Trent Noop, and you can uh, soon, I'm thinking probably Friday, uh, we're going to start to hopefully having uh, some stuff that Trent writes up on Wolverine's Wire. So look forward to that. Uh, he asked, do you think this year's linebacker core can be the best it's been for a while? That's hard to really gauge. I'm, I think it will be better than last year. I think last year ended up being okay, right? Like, ended up being really pretty good. Jordan Glasgow leading uh, the best tackler in the country. Not the leading tackler, but the best tackler in the country and as far as he didn't miss tackles. Cam McGrone came into his own. Kalik Hudson kind of took that step forward, you hoped. But, I mean, kind of hard to beat 2017 just because Devin Bush was out there. But when you when we were hearing the fact that Josh Ross was getting all these Devin Bush comparisons going into the season, then gets hurt basically instantly and red shirts. 
Cam McGrone ends up showing flashes of Devin Bush. He looked like a little bit better version of what Devin Bush provided his freshman year last year. Now you've got the two lined up against, you know, or not against, but next to each other. And you bring in Michael Barrett, who's been groomed for the moment. I think it's tantalizing. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be the fastest linebacking core they've ever had as a whole. Not ever necessarily. I don't know who, you know, I can't, uh, in the Harbaugh era, I can't go back forever. My memory, even if I did remember well enough, like the Lloyd Carr years or even back in the Bow years, my memory can't retain that much information anymore. Finishing us out in segment one, Jimmy Whitner at Jimmy Whitner one. If you had one position group to watch in game one, that if they performed well, what would give you the most hope for the rest of the season? Uh, I'll answer the question one right away. I'll say cornerbacks. If the defensive backs look really good, that's uh, I feel I feel like that solves a lot of the issues. That's my biggest concern going into the year. Last year it was defensive line. I feel a lot better about the defensive line now. Right now it's a cornerback. Number two, recruit you covered that you were looking forward to seeing play most this year. Uh, I'm assuming that you when you say recruit I covered, that you mean one that I saw play. Because here's the thing. I've covered all of them at this point. <laughs> but I've seen very few play. And I was just was just going down the roster – Keeping in mind, I've only gone to one high school game, two high school games. Yeah, two high school games in the last three years. I saw Cam McGrone as a senior. I saw Aiden Hutchinson as a junior, I believe. So that's even four. But, I mean, I went to more in 2016. I only went to, I think, Cam McGrone's game in 2017. No, I also I also went to Belleville. I saw Belleville and Brighton. But uh, I didn't go to any high school games in 2018 or 2019 because I do the radio show with Jamie Morris. If you hear any loud yet talking behind me, it's because my roommate, Matt Leach, is currently on with Jamie Morris right now. But uh, it, it just made it so I couldn't get to high school games. Because we end at six, it's usually they start around six or seven, close to impossible to get to any high school game in the region uh, when you do that. So if I was to go ahead and say which ones I've seen live, I'll I'll revert to seven on sevens because I've seen some of those. And I've seen more in the last, a lot of the guys I've seen in the last two years are guys who are true freshmen because I've seen them two two straight years. So with that in mind, I'm really excited about Makari Page and Andre Selden because they both were really, really phenomenal. But uh, other than that, there's not a lot of guys that I've seen. Oh, Julius Welshoff. I've seen him in the camp circuit. And he, like I've said a million times, looked phenomenal. He was the only defensive lineman at an offensive camp, and he was getting specialized work with Rashawn and Carlo Kemp and all of those. So uh, I'm excited for them. But I've yeah, I've, I've covered every everyone. I've only seen a couple of them in high school at this point because I really don't leave Michigan either to go to high school games. 
one more question from Jimmy Whitner, and then we'll move on. Do you think we'll see alternate uniforms this year? Uh, I, I had heard that there was some on deck for last year, but that was from like a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. So that's not exactly reliable. I was told that they were a go then. I'm never going to report something unless I hear it from someone direct. So who knows? I mean, it's all the rage. I doubt it, though, just based off of the fact it's a shortened season. It just seems, and you know, there's no one. You know, I mean, we've seen some alternate uniforms already, but, I mean, there's no crowds. So, I mean, kind of what's the point? Uh, I forgot to tell you that this episode was brought to you by rockauto.com, but I'm going to tell you about rockauto.com right now. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to uh, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, back for segment two. Let's do it. I say back, I literally left. No, I didn't. I just scooched my chair back to grab something off of my uh, my table. Anyway, from my friend over at Bucknuts, Dave Biddle at Dave Biddle. Favorite cigar. Now, this one was difficult because I, I saw it and I sat there and tried to think about it. And I know I'm missing one. I know I'm just, I can't remember because I haven't been smoking cigars much. I think I've had five this year, period. Uh, I've been doing the little snooze packet, packets, nicotine packets. I've got one in right now um, to, to get my nicotine fix. But uh, I stopped smoking cigars regularly after I got really, really sick in December. So, uh, and they're just so expensive. So I was just trying to think about what it what what it would be. And there's two that come to mind, but I know I'm forgetting one because I know there's one that I'm like, that's my favorite cigar. And for some reason, I can't think of it. Uh, so it would be Foundation Tabernacle is my the first one I thought of. And the second one I, th- I thought of is the Davidoff uh, Late Hours, the Churchill 
edition. So those would be the two that I can think of, but I know I'm missing one. I, I like pretty much everything by Foundation Cigars or Roma Craft. Um, but yeah, fun fact. First time I had the late hour, I'd been wanting it so bad. I was waiting to have it. It was New Year's Day. I was going to have one at night. I was down in uh, Tampa for the Outback Bowl. So it's uh, New Year's Eve uh, on uh, in 2017, heading into 2018. And I met up with Jonathan Vaughn, former Michigan running back. And uh, Ward Manuel met up with us, as did Ed Moransky. And Ed Moransky comes up and just plops down four cigars in front of each of us. And one of them was the late hour. And man, maybe that makes it makes me like it that much more that I because I'm just hearing these guys talk about old stories of Bo and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, Zach Larrabee at Z Larrabee. Shout out to my brother at uh, Larrabee underscore Kyle for turning 31 would be a nice treat for him. So there you go. And guess what? We're going to go right to Kyle Larrabee at Larrabee underscore Kyle. My wife, a.k.a. Foxy Peaches, what improvements stands out to you? Uh, did Michigan make uh, make their offense this season, make to their offense this season, that gives us confidence and is notably different from last year? I'll answer that before moving on. Uh, number one, I think the quarterback position could potentially, again, potentially, I'm not saying it is upgraded because Joe Milton has to go play in games, but I think you potentially have an elite quarterback. So that's number one. Number two, it's Josh Gaddis' second year in the offense. This whole speed and space thing. I see people complaining, like, he said speed and space last year. Listen, number one, they did have a lot of yards after catch. That's the whole point of speed and space. Ronnie Bell led the Big Ten in yards after catch. There's your speed and space. But now they have way more guys that are ready to take advantage of it. Giles Jackson was just a freshman last year. Didn't start turning things up until the end of the year. Mike Sainer still just a freshman last year. Never really kind of got going outside of spring. Told he hit a freshman wall. Cornelius Johnson just started getting going. You bring in two other freshmen that are super fast. So I think that all of that will work well in conjunction with each other. Continuing, my daughter, a.k.a. Lilybug, why hasn't Murder Wolf officially been named team mascot yet? How do we get him elected? I don't know, but that'd be awesome. I would absolutely love it. Then he asked, what updates you have on Nico Collins, if any? Uh, I have none. Joe Milton, who's Harbaugh's first elite quarterback. Will we see a different Michigan O this year? I'm calling it Gut Instinct National Trophy. Go blue. Uh, I think that this could has the potential of being Harbaugh's first truly elite quarterback. Yes, I do. He has to prove it, though. I want to remind people that because I don't want anyone. Oh, you said. Listen, you, you, you still got to go out there and do it on the field. Difference between doing things on State Street versus doing things on Main Street. Tough schedule this year, too. But, uh, I mean, I think you'll see a different Michigan offense in that it could be prolific. We haven't really seen, except for when Denard Robinson was in town, a prolific Michigan offense. Put that together with a defense that can actually stop people, which Denard had a little bit of, but 
by the time that he was done, you you know, was kind of hamstrung a little bit. It, I mean, that's what you need. You just you need in today's college football a prolific offense with a defense that's above average. You don't even need an elite defense if you have a prolific offense in today's college football. Brad G at GRN Shimer. You text Nico for an update yet? LOL. Uh, I have. I have not heard back. Par for the course. I don't hear hear when when these guys leave. Like, I don't hear from them as much as you do. You know, you do when they're recruits. Unfortunately, I feel like that's different for some. I mean, for a handful of guys, it's the same. I still talk to Michael on Wenyu. Um, but uh, and, and someone else. I mean, I still talk, but I still talk to like the guys that were twenty that either came in around 2016 or left around 2016. Like I talked to those guys are mostly still responsive, but anyone 2017 afterwards, not as much. Spencer Whitmore at Spencer Whitmore. What's your analysis on our defensive breakdowns against Ohio state over the past two years? Uh, I can't share you with you. The main thing sworn to secrecy from what is internally believed to be the issue. Here's what I can say. I do think Michigan is too predictable on offense or sorry, defense against Ohio state, particularly and Ohio that that's fine for every other team that they, they play if, if they're predictable in any way, but Ohio state has athletes that can take advantage of it. Secondly, Michigan doesn't execute as well against Ohio state for whatever reason, missed tackles don't, Finish tackles aren't in the right gaps. There's different things like that. So, but yeah, that's, I mean, we've covered that quite a bit on the, on the show over the course of the year, but I, I do think it's fixable. Let me put it that way. I think it's fixable. That, there, that's the reason why I say, I don't think there is this giant talent gap. I think it's more of an execution gap and somewhat schematic as well. RTK at Farmer 84. Do you think Oklahoma and Georgia struggles, including poor line play will have an impact on Donovan Edwards, recruitment and decision? I absolutely think it will, especially if those things continue for those two schools and Michigan has a bunch of running backs that show out. Conversely, those two schools can go to Donovan Edwards and say, Look, see, we need you. We need you right now. But I definitely think that given that it seems that he really likes those two schools because of their track records, if they can't produce similar to their previous track records, then yes, it could definitely swing the direction more into Michigan's favor. It's go blue, not big blue at Urban Lied. Is this still Josh Gaddis's offense? Do you see Harps taking it back anytime soon? It's... Yes, it's still it's always been Josh Gaddis's offense since he came. And it's even against Army when people said, look, Harbaugh took back over. Nope, didn't happen. I can tell you with a lot of confidence that Harbaugh did not influence the running in the second half in that game. That was a offensive decision made because of the brand of football that Army plays. And, you know, first year coordinator trying to play things safe, get just escape with the win. You don't need style points. You just have to come away with the win. They managed to do that in overtime, but 
no, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to take it back anytime soon. I think you, you trust the process and let it go. You can't just go and overhaul the type of offense that uh, Josh Gaddis has installed overnight back to a pro style anyway. No, nor would you want to. Football is heading in the direction which Josh Gaddis is bringing Michigan's offense. It was moving away. It had moved away from it before Harbaugh even arrived. The thing was, yeah, maybe it works still at Michigan. And it did a little bit. But to me, you need an offense more like Josh Gaddis's to win big in college football now. You can't have a traditional pro style as much anymore. Maybe it will, it'll, you know, things are cyclical. It'll swing back the other way. Pro style will become Nouveau again, I'm sure. That's just what how football works. Will at Willie Will 9, hypothetical, if you could add any player from the Harbaugh era onto this 2020 team, one offense, one defense, who would they be? Um, Defense, I'll start by saying I would add Jordan Lewis. They need a, they need a, a 100% sure lockdown corner. They might have that in one of the unknowns. We don't know. I don't think we should start crying wolf yet. You know, David Long and Lavert Hill did really well in their second year in the program in 2017. Maybe DJ Turner and Jalen Perry make the same leap. But having a guy like Jordan Lewis back there would give me a lot more confidence that this team would be locked down. Plus, he's an awesome interview and an awesome dude. I love JD. He's one of my guys. Uh, on offense, that one's a little bit tougher because I don't, they just haven't done as much offensively that would be like, yeah. You know what? I might take back Michael on Wenu just because of how he's doing with the Patriots. But, I mean, you, you partially look at a position of need, but the same time, like, I'm happy with the quarterback. I'm happy with all the running backs. I'm happy with the tight ends. You maybe add Jake Butt back because you know what he can do. Wide receiver, maybe. maybe. I mean, I guess Nico Collins. I'd add Nico Collins. That would be it. That's who I would add offensively. Hashtag Big Ten is back. Barstool Blue at Barstool U of M. The Barstool Viceroy at Michigan. Give us a hashtag Joe Filton's Max segment. Eyes emoji. Uh, we've talked plenty of Joe Milton over the course. I can't devote a whole segment on the on the mailbag to it. But, I mean, like I said, I think he's going to be really, really, really good. Just has to prove it. My friend out in California finishing us out in segment two. Race to Canis at Almighty Ray. In what way is playing this season a good thing? I mean, what way is it a bad thing? I think that uh, they've got the stringent protocols, the rapid testing. College players are essentially in a bubble anyway because they are not regular students. People act like, well, they're just going to be, you know, at all, in all of their regular classes and study groups and then go into parties. It's not really what happens, right? I mean, maybe it happens a little bit, but they're essentially in a bubble. They have their own, you know, academic complex, everything, not everything, but most things are via Zoom right now. I would imagine that the college players are probably all, if not mostly via Zoom beyond that. 
uh, you know, these guys had a promise that they essentially would get to play, you know, or get that opportunity. You win the meritocracy and you get to play and that's what they're going to get to do. And, uh, you know, you, you, if you don't play, then you've got a year away from football and you're behind the eight ball compared to the players that did play in other conferences. Recruiting content potentially take a hit and now it won't. Uh, I think it's, uh, am, you know, I think it helps them as well to stay focused on staying safe and healthy because they, you know, if they catch COVID-19, then there's, you know, they have to sit out 21 days and whatever. Now they, they have to be that much more diligent, helps keep them safer as a result. So those are, those are the first things that I can think of there. All right. We are going to continue despite already being overtime because that's how it works. We got plenty of questions left uh, coming up here in a moment. All right, let's finish it out. We've got like, what, eight more? Eight more, but some of them are similar. Going to kind of rapid fire these ones. Wolverine Devotee at Wolverine Devot 1. Thoughts on Dax to cornerback, uh, also similar. Jamie Farrington at Jamie Farrington 4. The Dax Hill at cornerback speculation is amping up. If he does change positions, what would the revised too deep be in the DB room? Um, I think it's a great move. Even if it is permanent, I don't believe necessarily just based off of I, I know Sam Webb's got his uh, thing saying that that happened. And I know we talked to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Don Brown made it sound like he's still playing a bunch of different places. And listen, there's still three weeks of regular fall camp before they get into game week. Lots of things can happen. Lots of things can change uh, no matter how things stand right now. But uh, I think if he does, in fact, move permanently to cornerback, I think it is great because I think, I mean, he's super fast, he's instinctive, and he, that's and he's pretty big too. So, I mean, that's everything you want in a cornerback. And with the emergence of Sammy Faustin so far in fall camp, I think that you feel pretty good about the safety position. I mean, because you got him, Makari Page seems ready to step up, Quentin Johnson is back from injury. There's a handful of safeties, I think, where as having another known commodity out there in Dax could really help. As far as my two deep, if Dax is a cornerback, then I'd be looking at uh, on the two outsides, Vincent Gray and Daxton Hill, then DJ Turner and Jalen Perry at either of those. Nickel is probably Andre Selden all the way. I don't know who the second one would necessarily be at Nickel, even though I think Don Brown mentioned it yesterday. So that would be how I would see that going. Kind of similar, Drew Young at Drew Young 1, who is number two cornerback. I'd say right now, uh, if you're looking exclusively at cornerback, not a guy who can play multiple like Dax does, um, I would probably say DJ Turner. That is my guess based off of what Don Brown said yesterday. Derek Tell at Derek. That's kind of cool. Your name is spelled a little differently and are able to just get at Derek. That's awesome, actually. Uh, it's been great watching the defensive end trio. Frank Clark, Taco Charlton, and Mike Dana be productive on the Chiefs defense. Clark is expected, but it looks like Charlton has found a place to excel. KC got a lot of heat for drafting Dana, and it's looking like a great pick. It absolutely is looking like a great, great pick. I mean, he's made a lot of push 
early. He's gotten uh, gotten some sacks in there already, er, you know, early. And Charlton, yeah, I mean, Charlton, I know the Chiefs are really happy with him so far. Sometimes you just need some changes of scenery. And when you change scenery twice in like a one-year period, especially if you were a first-round pick like Charlton was, that's a come-to-Jesus moment right there, right? Because, you, you know, like, all right, I got to produce now or my career is done. And what I've been able to see the Chiefs, which is I saw a bit of their second game, a tiny bit of game one and a tiny bit of game three. And so I've really only seen him in games two and three. Charlton looked like an absolute beast out there. Not necessarily getting to the quarterback on some of them, but being right there, definitely being getting the pressure. So good on him. Leon Adams at LL Adam will recruiting suffer with the NCAA granting an extra year of eligibility. Uh, I don't think so because I don't think that they're, they're going to grant an extra year of eligibility and say, all right, everyone's got less scholarships. No, I don't think it will. I don't think it will suffer. Yeah. You have a little a few, you know, more people at certain positions because some people could just stay right. Like the parting seniors, nothing, nothing would be stopping Nick Eubanks if he was like, getting being told hey you're going to be undrafted if you you know go to the nfl and if michigan's like hey come back i mean nick eubanks would just be like you know i'm coming back i don't think it's going to stop any tight ends necessarily from coming you know what i mean double z at double z 28 who's the kicker looking to be this year uh i think it's probably the same as last year quinn nordeen uh on field goals and uh jake moody on kickoffs and who knows as far as punter, if it'll be Will Hart or Brad Robbins, I would imagine some combination of them now that Brad Robbins is healthy. Austin Quinn at a Quinn underscore 10 Nico period Collins period. That is all we want to know. He's still a person. Yeah, that's correct. That is his name. Uh, again, I mean, that's one of those things you'll know once we know, right? I mean, that's how that, that something like that works. Either he'll post something or someone like me or Sam Webb or someone will finally hear from him and be able to put everything to rest one way or the other. Finishing us out on this Thursday afternoon podcast, Zach Van Lenty at Lenty Zach. I love Don Brown. I think he does a great job against opponents not named Ohio State, and I agree with that exactly. And I want people to remember he does a great job against opponents not named Ohio State. He might have one or two bad games outside of that, but he's done a great job overall. That being said, if the defense is exposed and gashed for a third year in a row, is it time to part ways? And I think the answer is yes. I thought the answer was yes after last year. I think you get destroyed offensive or defensively by Ohio State's offense two years in a row. One time, okay, aberration, let's move on. Second time, inexcusable in my opinion. I love Don Brown. I absolutely love him. But you got to figure out how to beat, to at least give the offense a chance, and they have not done that in the last two years. If he doesn't do it again, especially if Michigan's offense is pretty good, I mean, you, you just got to hold Ohio State, I think, to under 30 points. That's giving your offense a chance. Letting them get above 40, let alone 50 or 60, inexcusable, in my opinion. Again, I love Don Brown, too. I think he's an awesome defensive coordinator. I think he's an awesome person. 
I would hate to see him go. However, you cannot lose to Ohio State that way. You cannot do it. You can't be known for how good your defense is and give up 56 and 62 points the last two years. If it happens again, I mean, that's I, – I think that, that's certainly – Certainly fireable offense. All right. Maybe the longest mailbag we've had in a long time. I'm excited about it, though. We will be back again tomorrow. This time it will happen. Like 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 I said last week, I had a medical issue that kept me away on Friday and Monday. But we'll be back tomorrow. We'll find some stuff to talk about. Maybe it'll be uh, what we had to talk about with Andrew Stuber and Michael Barrett today. We'll see. For the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, I'm Isaiah Hole. Appreciate you listening. Find me online at Isaiah Hole. Talk to you later. Peace.